in today's message. Where you see a scene of a man who's called by God, a God of words. And the man responds and says, you know what? I'm not a man of words. But for Moses, he found out that when God calls someone, he equips and empowers them to do the good work that he's asked them to do. What about you? Is there a way in which God is calling you right now? And you're saying, I can't do that. Let's get into it. And thank you, friend, for joining us at Arlington United. God is a God of words. John 1 and 1 lets us know that before anything else was, God was the Word. And when it finally came time to really see God, not in a, a fleeting theophany of the Old Testament, what the theologians call an, an appearance of God, but when it came time for God to be fully imaged and fully appreciated and fully understood, the Gospel of John tells us in 1.14 that that Word became flesh. The Word became a man. And that's who we saw, Jesus. God is a God of words. The third verse of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 3, reveals that God's Word makes worlds. That when God starts speaking, whole new possibilities and whole new arenas, whole new environments, whole new atmospheres immediately come into being because when God speaks, reality not only changes, God actually speaks, has to speak for reality to even be. If God doesn't use his words, our world doesn't exist. The Bible says through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by God. The, the words that God speaks form the boundaries of all our existence. Aren't you thankful that God is still speaking? Aren't you thankful that God is still making new possibilities and God is still making new arenas and atmospheres and vistas for us today? Now, I've heard some people describe somebody as being a man of few words. Anybody ever heard that phrase? Oh, he's a man of few words. Feels pretty quiet. People might say that. Uh, Brother Rocky, he, he doesn't say a whole lot. Now, if we get him to talking, he'll, he'll talk to you. But he's usually a little, little laid back. Has anybody ever heard a woman described as a woman a few words? Um, I guess, Brother Jim, careful there. You're going to throw something out in your neck. It's, it, Sister Sheila's going to help you. Uh, we usually say a man a few words. There are women who are quieter. They actually do. Sociologists study this. You know, there's the old joke about ladies love to talk and men don't quite sometimes know how to express our feelings as well sometimes. These are generalities, but sociologists will tell you that for every one word that a man speaks, usually a typical, just all things been equal, women will speak about two during the course of a day. About 7,000 words and about 14 words, 14,000 words. Ann's got her hands up. She said two. Ann was counting back there. She's, she's got several that she's she got to say. A man of few words. In our text today, Moses tells God, I'm not a man of words at all. Few words, nothing. He says, God, I am not a man of words. Now, you think about that, Rocky. We got 
a God who's a God of words who has tapped a man on the shoulder and that man says, you may be a God of words, but I don't do words, God. That's not my thing. I'm into carpentry. I'm into archery. I'm into uh, pottery, crockery, something else, but not words. Not a man of words. See, this is plain as day if you look at Moses' life. I'll show you three scenes briefly before the burning bush. And I'll show you that Moses told God, right, he's not a man of words. In fact, if you look carefully at the text, it may be this impediment of speech that actually led to Moses' life being saved in the first place. Think about it. Every male child at that time was under a death sentence from Pharaoh. He had instructed the midwives to destroy them at birth. And they said, huh, good luck, those Hebrew women. They deliver before we even get there. They're, they're vigorous. They, they, they pulled the wool over Pharaoh's eyes. The babies were born, but then the Egyptian forces would hunt out those male children. And they, would, they were conducting genocide is what was happening. But Moses apparently didn't speak like other children and didn't cry out like other children. And it may have been one of the reasons that Jochebed was able to hide him successfully until he began to be older and she couldn't keep him hidden anymore. If you look, now that is, that's conjecture, okay? But let me take you to the text and I'll stop making up things. Let's just read what the text says, Sheila. It says that in Exodus 2, 5 through 6, twice in the text, we're told that Pharaoh's daughter first saw the ark and then she looked inside it and it says, behold, the babe wept. She saw that the babe wept. Now, how many have ever had a toddler in your house or a ba newborn baby in your house? How many have experienced those babies crying? And how many of you would call your friends and say, I've got to go because I see that the baby is crying? That is not the sense that you describe when you're interacting with a crying baby. What do you say? i got to put cotton in my ears. I can't even hear myself think. You hear a child crying. But look at what the text says twice. She saw the ark, and then she saw the baby weep. Even in his infancy, there's an indication that Moses' speech impediment may have been from birth and it is possible, now this is my, I've told you what the text says, it's my conjecture that perhaps that's one of the reasons Pharaoh's daughter instead of saying, well, that looks like a Hebrew baby. We're going to take them to the authorities. Maybe she took pity on this young Moses and drew him from the water instead of pushing that ark underneath with her foot for the crocodiles to deal with because she might have taken pity on this little boy that tears were running down his face, but maybe no sound was coming out of his mouth. It's apparent that Moses had difficulty with crying. Bienvenido, hermano Mati. As an adult in the Egyptian court, Moses sees a Hebrew being abused by an Egyptian overseer. What do you do when you see somebody getting abused and assaulted? Hey, stop that. Quit it. Hey, hey, I'm going to call somebody. You stop that. Stop now. That's what any normal person does. The Bible says Moses didn't speak. He just killed. Moses is not a man of words. Moses is a man of action. He took matters into his own hands, Brother Roy. Rather than speaking and said, hey, 
You know me, I'm in Pharaoh's house. I'm a prince in Egypt. You stop that right now. He didn't say that. He just took action with his hands. Next thing you know, Moses is on the run in the, in the, in the desert. He didn't try to explain himself, Sister Sarah. There was no talking at the court. Well, I saw him and he was abusing him in Pharaoh. This is exactly what I did because he deserved it. And he didn't try to explain himself because Moses is not a man of words. He just flees. So far, so far we've got a, a baby that when he cries, you see it, but you don't hear it. We've got a prince that doesn't speak, he kills. And we've got a, a, a royal in the court that just goes away when something bad happens because he's not a man of words. One, one more scene to drive home this man of no words. <laughs> he's out in the desert. There's seven ladies. They're, they're all of one man's household. And they're drawing water for their father's sheep. Now remember, they don't have a spigot. They got to take pots. And, you know, a gallon of water weighs eight pounds. And a flock of sheep will, will drink a ton of water. And these young ladies, they've got to haul all this water out for their sheep. And the Bible says that when they would get it finished, the other shepherds would drive them away. Maybe they didn't have brothers to protect them. I, I don't know the, the scenario. We don't get the backstory. But what we know is they were being treated unfairly. And these men were treating them unfairly. And guess who shows up? The man of no words. There's no negotiation. No argument. He just deals with it, and those shepherds run away. I don't know what he did. But before you know it, they're gone, and those seven daughters can feed their sheep. They run home and tell the Midianite priest. They said, listen to what they said. They didn't say, a Hebrew rescued us. Brother Mosier, they said, an Egyptian came. And we were able to water our sheep because he ran the, the robbers off and the mean people off. Why did they call him an Egyptian? Think about it. He's still wearing an Egyptian garment. But the implication is he didn't speak to them at all because they couldn't understand by his speech that he wasn't a native Egyptian speaker. So they didn't know he's Hebrew, Brother, Brother Jim, likely because he didn't speak. So when God says to Moses, hey, I got a job for you. I need you to go tell somebody something. Moses says, that's quite a speech. Oh, you want me to liberate four million people from slavery by my words. Oh, and, and the audience of this speech, by the way, that you're asking me to, to, to give, he's the guy that's economy depends on their slavery, and he's the most powerful person in the world. And I've got to get these people to believe that they can be liberated. And he says, God, you don't understand. I haven't got any speech at all. And then he, he actually doubles down with God. And, and he says, by the way, not only do I not have speech now, but he, said, he says to God in, in the text, he says, before you spoke to me and after you called me, I'm still a man of no words. He's so, Moses is so... Sarah, this is like after the altar call, after God speaks to him. He says, I'm still a man of no words. Hang with me today. Hang with me. I want to encourage you today that God, if you know anything about the Bible, if it's taught you anything about God's character, this shouldn't surprise you at all. That there's an impossible situation, that there's a, an imperfect hero who's the least likely to succeed, and that's the guy that God picks for the job. I got a speech, 
I think I'll pick the guy who is a man of no words. I need somebody to say words and liberate four million people. I think I'll pick the person who doesn't know how to talk very well. That's the way that God operates. Martin, he picks those who are not viewed as being likely to succeed to do his work in the world. Moses convinces God to compromise and allows Aaron to be a temporary spokesperson. You know, he says, hey, let Aaron talk for me. If anybody's got any brothers, you know how sometimes you take the job that you don't want to do or you think you can't do very well, and you just throw it off on your brother. Let him mow the lawn. God, I'm not a man of words. Let Aaron do it. Can you imagine? I, I, I just wonder in my mind if Moses is thinking, well, maybe if Aaron says it, he'll throw him in jail. I, I don't know what his motivation was, but he says, just let Aaron speak. He's good at speaking. So God says, okay. You and Aaron go in. But something happens as the ten plagues occur. Why ten plagues, Brother Mullins? Why don't you just go straight to the firstborn and be done with it? God's not stupid. He knows the end from the beginning. Why spend all this time with these ten plagues? Two reasons, Brother Richard. Number one, God was teaching the Egyptians something. Because if you follow the Egyptian pantheon of their ten gods, every one of their gods was humiliated by the hand of Yahweh. They worshiped cattle. They worshiped grain. They worshiped the harvest. They worshiped the Nile. They, were, they worshiped all of these things in nature. And every one of those false gods was laid low by the hand of the one true God through the ten plagues. But while God was teaching those who refused to worship him, he was also teaching those who were called to serve him. Because if you will look very carefully in Exodus 5 and 1, when they first went in to say, let my people go, the Bible says that Moses and Aaron went in and they told Pharaoh. That was the compromise position. But on the 10th plague of the firstborn in Exodus 11, 4, you will find, Sister Mary, that Moses said, thus says the Lord. You see, God called Moses. He said, I want you to speak for me. And Moses says, I'm not a man of words. Let Aaron talk. And they go in and they talk together on the first plague. But nine plagues later, Moses has found his voice. God has taught Moses that he indeed can speak before the most powerful man on the earth. Because when you've got a message from God, your disability doesn't matter. When you've got a task from God, your weakness doesn't matter. When you've got a mandate from God, who you are, what your hang-ups are, or what you think, and why you're this, and why you're not, and why you're all that or you're not, really doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is the all-sufficient power and authority of the God who is above all gods, and the Lord who is above all lords, and the King who is above all kings. I feel His presence right now in this room today, and I want to assure you today that if you receive the mandate from the Mighty One, that you can count on Him bringing you through to completion. Moses learned to use his words. He learned to focus not on his disability, but on God's supernatural ability in him. I'm going to say that again. Moses learned not only to focus on his disability, but he learned to focus on God's supernatural ability in him. Later in the journey, he's given what we call the Ten Commandments. But do you know what the Jewish people call them? They don't call them the Ten Commandments. 
Brother Mark, they call them the ten words. Hey, Moses got a job for you. Sorry, God, I'm off duty. I'm not a man of words. How about this, big fella? I got ten words for you. And I'll start you off. I'll actually write them on rock. You won't have to say a word. You can just hold them up. But there were 603 other laws that Moses had to teach the people by speaking. So he got 10 free, but he had to teach the other 603 himself. Let me tell you something. When God calls you, he'll place in your hands what you need to get started, and then he'll empower you to finish the job. God will allow you to do what you need to do that he has called you to do. Listen to me. Moses says, I'm not a man of words. God said, I'll provide the words if you'll provide the ability. I'll provide the power if you'll provide the availability for me. Aren't you thankful that God has a plan and he knows exactly how to enable us to accomplish his good work in our lives? God has a plan. You're not on your own. You don't have to figure this out on your own. You don't have to find the wherewithal and the provision and the power to accomplish God's purpose in your life or your family, your neighborhood, your workplace. God has it all in store. And he knows how to do it. Twice more in his life, we see Moses struggle with the old way of doing things. How many would be honest and say that once you learn to follow God, Sometimes some of your hang-ups still come back to haunt you. <laughs> oh, there goes my temper again. Oh, there goes my wayward thoughts again. Oh, that gossip tongue got loose again. Oh, I, I, I didn't tell that exactly straight. Oh, I, I was stingy again. Oh, I'm struggling with forgiveness. I don't want to forgive them. I don't like, them. I don't like what they did. Sometimes our old ways come back. Moses says, I'm not a man of words. Numbers 20. Chapter 20, verses 10 through 13. The people of Israel are, are thirsty and they need water. God says, hey, Moses, you got some words? Go out there and speak to that rock. I'll make water come out of it. Sheila, what'd he do? He walked out there and said, I ain't got no words today. I'm iller than a hornet. I'm tired of these people. They're stubborn and stiff-necked. I tell you what, whack, there's your water. And the water starts flowing. But that's the element that kept Moses out of the promised land. Doesn't seem fair, does it? You see, it was more than just disobeying a command. It was falling back to his default mode of how he was used to handling things. What Moses revealed in that moment of anger was not just disobedience. He revealed a lack of trust in God's new way of him operating. And he went back to the old way of doing things where he was just a man of action instead of speaking as God wanted him to speak. I want to implore you today, live on a higher plane. Live up where God wants you to live. Live the way that God wants you to live. Not by your weakness and not by your abilities and not by your mind and not by your power, but reach up to what God is calling to you and use your words as it were. Use your abilities in God. Use your spiritual gifts. Use that fruit of the Spirit. No more going around and saying, well, I can't help it. That's just the way I am. No, no, no. That's old Moses talk. How about let's just say that's the way that Yahweh made me. That's the way that Jesus made me. That's what I can do because Christ is living in me. I don't have to rely on who I used to be. I don't rely on the old man anymore, but I live by the Spirit of God in Christ. Somebody say, Lord, that's what I want to do today. 
Exodus 32 and 15, he comes down from the mountain. What's Israel doing? He's been up fasting 40 days. They got top 40 hits on him. They're dancing. They're naked as a jaybird. They got a calf there that Aaron's carved out of their earrings and their necklaces, and they're dancing around it saying, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Oh, man, I'd be mad too. But Moses doesn't say, what in the world is wrong with you people? He didn't say that. No. What does he do? He takes action. Here's your words, God. And here's what I think of it. Bam. And once again, he doesn't speak to the people. Because twice, at the rock and at Sinai, Moses falls back into that old pattern. Are you thankful for a God that doesn't give up? Even when you do stupid stuff. Oh, I have done some I have done some dumb things. It's stupid though. I have done some dumb things in my life. But I'm thankful God doesn't give up. God didn't give up on Moses even though he fell back into the old way of thinking, into the old way of doing. Even though he didn't use his words, God didn't give up on him. Anybody got, Brother Roy, you got a Bible with you, a, a, a regular Bible. Put your thumb into the book of Deuteronomy. Just, just open that, that book right now, the book of Deuteronomy. And just hold up that Bible where everybody can see that book of Deuteronomy. Just, just hold it up. Y'all turn around and look. He's going to show you this book, the book of Deuteronomy. Just put your thumb in it, Brother Roy, and show everybody that book. He's going to turn around. He's going to show you. Get home tonight, and you can look it up if you want to. Chapter after chapter after chapter. You know what the book of Deuteronomy is? The entire book is one sermon that Moses gave right before they were going to go into the promised land. God took the words of Moses and made an entire book in the Bible out of Moses' words. Let me tell you something. When God tells you to say a word and you say, I can't do that because I'm not a man of words, God will turn it all around until he will speak his words through you and what you say will be remembered for generations. When, now, it doesn't just work for just speaking. When God, what I'm telling, listen to what I'm telling you. When God gives you a task and says, I want you to be a good father and you say, I didn't have a good father. I don't know how to be a good father. God will make you the exact father that you need to be. Oh, 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 God. God says, God, you want me to be a wife, a good wife, and, and, and a good mother? I don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't know. I'm not perfect. I don't know how to do that. God will take it to where you are a mother that others look to for inspiration. Oh, I don't know how to be a witness for you, God. I don't know how to tell people about you, God. God will take your life and he will take your story and he will use it to bring people into his kingdom because when God says use your words, he'll put the words in your mouth. When God says share his story, he'll put the words in your mouth. When God says build a family, he'll put the power in your living room. When God says lift your hands and worship, He'll give you something to worship about. When God says, forgive those even though they've done bad against you, He'll put the Spirit within you that will allow you to do that. Because my God is a God only a God of words. My God is a God of miracles. My God is a God of wonders. My God is a God of signs. And He can do anything in you that you will allow Him to do. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me today?
What about you? What about you? Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Are you using your words? Are you using your words? Or, or and it's not just our words. We, we need to dedicate our lives to God. It's easy to see how Moses struggled to conquer his weakness. He learned to depend on God, and it carried him through to see the will of God. 3,500 years ago, that's an easy story, Renee, because that's a Bible story. That's a Bible character. But what about Renee? What about you? What about me? What about Clay? <laughs> What's your default setting? I'm not a man of words. What's your excuse? I'm a lady of fear. I'm a man of anxiety. I'm just trying to bluff my way through life. I'm just, I'm just trying to get by. Nobody notices me. I don't have any talent. I've made too many mistakes. I'm self-sufficient. I can make it on my own. What's your excuse? Come on, Moses. Let's be real today. Paul called it living by the Spirit or living by the flesh. Alex, there's a way to be who God wants us to be. But there's a way to just be who we think we can be. Because somebody else said it. Because we told it to ourselves in the mirror. Because, 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 because. There's a lot of ways to not use your words. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of ways to not live the higher life. There's a lot of ways to not reach our potential in God. There's a lot of ways to check out and say, hey, send my brother. I mean, look at Martin. He looked like he could do anything. Handsome, strong, healthy, young, smart. Speaks at least two languages. Probably said, use Martin. God will use Martin. God's called Martin. He called Jim too. He called Mary, Renee. And name us all today. God's calling every one of us. And he wants to use us. Why don't you stop today and use your words? It might be the gateway to victory. <laughs> Brother Dennison, when the angel came, Brother Roy, when the angel came to Daniel, chapter 10, verse 12, he said, I've come because of the will of God. I've come because there's a need. I've come because there's evil afoot. <laughs> what he said, Alex? He said, I've come because of your words. Daniel learned to open his mouth and call on God. And empires changed because of it. Because he used his words. Revelation 12, 1 and 2 says for all of us, when we get there, we will have been made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. You know the rest. The word of your testimony. I love the word of the prophet Hosea. Hosea 14, 1 and 2. O Israel, return to the Lord your God. Take with you words. Take words with you. I'm going to open this altar in a second. I'm going to ask you to bring some words with you. I'm going to open this altar and I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you to live on the plane that God has called you to. Not on the plane that your lack of self-esteem drives you to or somebody else's critical words try to drive you down to. I'm going to ask you to live where God's calling you to, not where Satan says, I've got you under my thumb and you'll never outlive the mistake. You'll never, you'll never be this. You'll never do that. Remember this. Remember that. I'm telling you today to bring some words with you. Bring some words. 
and use your words today. Let me, let me give you some examples of some words you might bring down here. But hold out your hand. Hold out your hand. I know this may be a little elementary, but here's some words you might bring, Brother Jim. Lord, I'm sorry. Here's some words. Lord, help me. Help me. I'm willing if you'll help me. Here's some words. I surrender my will to yours. You might bring those words to the Lord today. Los palabras por Dios. Lord, I can't do this on my own. I'm not enough on my own. How about these words? Lord, I need your help in my, you fill in the blank, my family, my finance, my body, my health. How about these words? Lord, whatever it takes to please you, I'm willing to do it. Those would be some good words to bring to the Lord. How about this one? Oh, man. I'm going to bring... This is mine. I'm just going to tell you what words I'm going to bring. Lord, I want to do things your way this time. That's the words I'm going to bring. I'm going to open this altar area right up here. If you want to, you can just keep holding your hands like this. And we'll just bring an offering to the Word, to the Lord. In Psalms, he said, bring words. Hosea said, bring words. Hebrews, the writer said, bring the fruit of your lips. Let's bring the Lord. Those may not be the words you want to use. You may have a different prayer you need to pray. But you get your words and you bring them. And let's pray to the Lord today. Let's use our words. Let's let God bring us to the higher plane. Let's let God bring us to who he wants us to be. Let's let the Lord deal with us the way that he wants to. And bring us to that higher way of living that he's calling us to. In the name of Jesus. From a man who by his own admission could barely speak to a prophet and leader in Israel whose words were the catalyst for liberation for millions of people and indeed give us the holy words that we order our lives by even today through the inspiration of the Spirit of God. That's what God did with Moses. He took an impediment, a disability, a weakness and turned it into a strength of the operation of His Spirit. How does God want to do that for you today? How does He want to take you from where you are to the higher plane of living in Him through the Spirit? I hope you'll consider that today. I hope you'll pray this prayer today with me. God, whatever you desire from me, however you desire to bring your kingdom to bear in this earth through my living, Lord, please, don't let me make excuses or allow weaknesses to get in the way. But let me open myself to the operation of your spirit in perfecting me for your tasks that I might bring glory to your name. Amen. God bless you, friend. And thank you for joining us at Arlington United.